Luke chapter 22, and uh, I'd, <clears throat> I'd said it in uh, Sunday school this morning too, and all the guys that uh, had give their testimony and their uh, uh, preach last night did a great job, and uh, um, I, like Brother Brad had mentioned it this morning, there was a, a very good spirit last night among our uh, the group that was here, and uh, I uh, appreciate that, and uh, it was good to be in God's house last night. I pray if uh, <clears throat> tonight, if you'll, I think if you'll listen, I'll try to, uh, I think I'll give you something hopefully that you can use, um, and uh, as you embark on uh, a new year, and um, <clears throat> as we look at the scripture, we're going to, our scripture reading will be in chapter 22, verses 31 through 34. Um, I want to ask you this question tonight, and uh, um, you don't have to you answer it to yourself, answer it to the Lord. Um, <clears throat> and uh, they asked uh, a lot of questions in the Bible. We've, uh, you've heard messages on that before, but question tonight is, uh, has there ever uh, been a time in your life when you love Jesus Christ more than you love him tonight? And um, if the answer is yes, then you need to, there needs to be a new beginning. There needs to be something um, started in your life tonight as we look at uh, the, the new year. And uh, uh, I asked myself these same questions, and the answer to that question for me was yes. And I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and uh, tell you that it wasn't. And uh, to cease to be better is to cease to be good. And... Uh, to fail to grow in the Lord is to be backslidden. And um, that goes for uh, the best, those that we hold in high regard. And, uh, you know, there are those who perhaps don't love the Lord as much as they once did, and others are cold and indifferent, and to some, Jesus is bright, and he's a living reality in their lives, and to others, Jesus seems far away and someone that they might think about from time to time. And <clears throat> if your prayers are brief and hurried, if you don't take the time to be quiet and be holy before God, then you need a revival in your heart. And in Luke 22, Jesus <clears throat> is talking here, and the Lord said in verse 31, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan had desired to have you that he might sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Father, we love you tonight. I pray that you would use me. Uh, Use me to say what you want said. Help me, Lord, to uh, um, feed your people. And, Lord, be a, a blessing unto you. And, Lord, what you would have us to do. It's in Jesus' name I make my prayer this evening. Amen. This passage tells the story of Peter who ends up having a personal revival in his life past this point. Simon uh, Peter failed miserably right here at this point in his life. Uh, but there was a birth of a new day for Peter after what happened here. 
And <clears throat> there can be for each of us a new beginning in our hearts if we'll let the Lord uh, <clears throat> uh, show his mercy, his forgiveness, uh, his restoration, and his revival to us if we'll let him. Simon Peter failed, but God wasn't through with Peter because he failed. And, and God continued to use Peter after he failed. And no matter how badly we have failed, maybe in this past year, God wants to put the joy that we had back in our hearts. And uh, we often lose that joy. Uh, but we've got to know why that we fail in some of these areas that we fail in in life. And a couple of the things that I see that Peter did here, number one, he was arguing with the Lord when he should have been listening to God. And uh, if you go back over into Matthew chapter 16, uh, Peter rebuked the Lord and the Lord said, get behind me, Satan. He's, uh, Peter was saying to the Lord that you're not going to go to the cross. You're not going to uh, be crucified for it. This is not going to happen. And Jesus had spoken to his disciples many times about his crucifixion and Peter wouldn't accept it. He, he, there, he didn't have an accepting heart of what God had to say. Uh, he wouldn't believe the word of God. He had the very word of God there with him and he wouldn't believe the word of God. And many of us, uh, we don't believe what God has told us in this Bible and we want to change what God has said in scripture and, and we want to put it in our own interpretation, our own spin on what God would say instead of simply believing what God has said. And Peter did that, and, and he was arguing with God uh, about that. He was also boasting when he should have been depending upon God. He was boasting about what he was going to do uh, here in, in verses 33 and 34, and he said, I'm ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. He said, uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm ready to do this thing, and uh, I'm, I'm ready to do this for you, Lord. And Peter, he was naturally bold and aggressive. That was who he was. He had confidence. He had courage. You go back and you read the scriptures. In John uh, chapter 21, Peter uh, <clears throat> cast himself into the water uh, there when, when Jesus had come down with the fish and, and, and went to the shore. Uh, in Matthew chapter 14, he was, he, he was the one that jumped out of the boat. He was the one that was walking on water uh, when Jesus came there. In John 18, he was the one that pulled the sword out and uh, cut the ear off of the uh, Malchus when he was there. Most people failed not at their point of weakness, but at their point of strength. That's where you fail. It's not your point of weakness. It's what you think is your strength in life sometimes that you fail. And Peter was depending upon his strength, his confidence, his courage, the things that he had there. But And the, and the Bible is full of examples of saints who failed at their point of strength. At their point of strength, I'm going to give you some examples. Abraham's strength was his faith, was it not? And he failed at the point of his faith. Go back over and read Genesis chapter 12. The famine had came into the land. And what did Abraham do? He went down into Egypt and he forsook the place of blessing to go down into Egypt because the famine was there. He was the one that had faith. It was said that nobody had the faith of Abraham like Abraham did. The Bible says that Moses was the meekest man that ever lived, and that was his strength. 
Numbers 12 tells us that. But Moses, the meekest man in the Bible, he became a murderer. Exodus chapter 2, he slew the Egyptian uh, uh, that had uh, uh, come and, and, and smited the Hebrew there. David's strength was his integrity. Uh, Psalm 26.1, it says, I walk in mine integrity. And, and he was uh, a man of integrity. But we know we read over in 2 Samuel where he uh, committed adultery with Bathsheba. At the point of his integrity is where David fell. It was their strengths where they fell. Where we think we're strong sometimes is where we're going to fail. And we need to see that God uh, can help us uh, through that. He also, he was sleeping when he should have been praying. We've read that. We, we know that the disciples were asleep while they were in the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, the Lord knows that we need rest, but there's times we sleep or rest too much. And uh, I was just thinking of that when we were taking uh, those uh, uh, prayer, prayer times there. And there's times that we need to be praying that we ought to be praying. Uh, this last week, Kim's been getting all over me because I've been getting up in the middle of the night. I have no, re I don't understand why I'm getting up. I know why I'm getting up because the Lord's waking me up. I got up the other morning at four o'clock in the morning and I spent an hour and a half reading the Bible and praying. And, and, and I don't do that to boast about myself, but God had, is, is pricking something in me and saying, there's something that needs to change in your life. There's something that you need to do that you're not doing. And we're sleeping when we ought to be praying. And uh, uh, Jesus taught us to pray not only for our daily bread, but for our daily protection. Peter was fighting when he should have been loving and sharing. Again, Peter failed at his strongest point. Uh, we, we, we see that uh, he's the one that uh, cut off the, uh, uh, the guard's ear there. And as he cut that off, he was fighting when, when he shouldn't. He should have been uh, loving and sharing. Simon Peter had the wrong enemy as well. Uh, uh, we, we see as we read this uh, in, in, in verse 50 down there, and it says, One of them smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. He was going after the wrong one that was there. Uh, Ephesians 6.12 tells us what? That we fight against principalities and powers and, and, and rulers of the outer darkness. Peter was fighting the fleshly battle that was there. He wasn't fighting the spiritual battle that was there. And Malchus, Malchus was a servant of the high priest. He was a slave that was doing what he was supposed to be doing. He was doing what he was, what he was told to do. And Malchus, Malchus himself was a victim in that whole uh, uh, episode that took place. And, you know, uh, we had a message last night. Uh, the devil loves to get flesh fighting against flesh. He likes for us to fight among one another. He likes for us to fight with those that are out there. Uh, we don't want to fight the spiritual battles that are there because that takes a little fortitude to do. It's easy to uh, fight those fleshly battles that we fight and say the things that we say. Simon Peter also, he had the wrong weapon. What did he pull out? He pulled a sword out. He pulled uh, the, the sword and cut it off. He, he, he was in a, a battle against the powers of darkness there. And, and, and we, we know that the Bible is, is our weapon. This is our sword, the, the spirit. Uh, God gives us his word in order that we can fight off those things. The only power of God, that can, uh, the only thing that can overcome the power of darkness is God's word.
Second Corinthians 10, 4 says the weapons of our warfare are to pull down the strongholds that are in our life. What pulls down the strongholds that are in our life? Faith, prayer, surrender, obedience, revival in our hearts. Those are the new things that we need in our life this year. It's not the weapons that the world has to offer. It's the spiritual things that the Bible has to offer. And the devil can't stand against the weapons of our warfare. And you know, Simon Peter had the wrong energy. I've got up here sometimes in the energy of myself, in in my flesh, wanting to preach, in my flesh, wanting to teach my Sunday school class. It's not uh, in my energy that I can do anything. It's in the energy of the Lord Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit being upon me. How much have we prayed for the pastor? And, and this is me too. How many times this year can I count that I prayed for my pastor before he got up and, and, and preached the sermon? How many times have, have we prayed for that one? We ought to pray for Brother Randy that, that comes on Wednesday night that he gives us something that we can use in our life that will make us a better Christian after Wednesday night services. We ought to be praying for those things. We don't pray for those things because we use the wrong energy in that. Peter had been sleeping instead of praying. If he'd been praying, he would have had probably the right spirit upon him. But he was sleeping, and he awakens out of that sleep. When, we, when I awake, I'm ready to roll. Some, they're in a fog. Uh, but I, I'm not. When I get up, I'm ready to go. And he, I can just imagine he awoke in his energy there and, and he's trying to defend Jesus when Jesus wanted to defend him. And, and we see in his flesh he's trying to defend him and he's full of zeal, but it's misguided zeal. Sometimes we're misguided in the zeal that we have. We need to contain some of that sometimes. And uh, we need to walk in the spirit rather than fight in the flesh. The Bible says that we worship him in spirit, and in truth. And that's how we ought to do that. Peter also had the wrong attitude. Uh, <clears throat> James 1.20 says, For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. He had wrath. He was angry. Uh, <clears throat> Simon was angry at, at this. And, you know, sometimes we can have uh, be moved uh, with, with our anger and, and, and the things that are there and move in the wrong way. Simon had boasted and was certain that he wouldn't fail, but he did fail. And I say this all the time, and I'm going to continue to say it. Never say never that it won't happen to you because it will, you will be the very one that it will happen to. Every time, every time it will happen. And we boast, wherefore let him that thinketh that he standeth take heed lest he fall. And you will fall. God will cut your legs out from under you so quick when you think that it's, you're doing something for God and you're doing it for your glory. You better be doing it for the, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. I told my class this morning and, and, uh, about the, the love that constrains you and what constrains you to do what you ought to do for the Lord Jesus Christ. And number one on that list is salvation. Number two was the Bible. Uh, number three was the security that God gives you. There's something that ought to motivate you this year and constrain you to do what Christ would want you to do. You owe the Lord that. You owe the Lord that. And you may know, owe no man nothing, but you better not owe God anything. 
God, God will take it from you. Brother, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And he owns you as well. He owns Satan as well. And he's got Satan on a leash. And uh, he lets Satan do what he wants to do for a season. But he knows, and, and Satan knows what's going to happen as well. Simon Peter learned some things about Jesus when that new day started. <clears throat> he learned that Jesus was in control. You know, while Peter was, uh, was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And uh, if you do a little, think about how many roosters must have been in, his, in, in that part of Jerusalem at that time. And, and the roosters that was there. And all the roosters that were there. And at that exact time, that exact time, that rooster crowed. When Peter was talking, he said, while he was talking and denying him the third time, that rooster crowed. That's a miracle. You know, the Lord is still in control. We talked about the currency this morning, the money, all the things that are going on in the world. But you know what? God is still in control. He is in control of everything. And uh, Psalm 8, 6 through 8, it says, Thou hast made him to have dominion over the work of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep, all oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the paths of the sea. He has dominion over everything. My God's still in control. And he may strip me of all. I don't want him to strip me of all, but he can strip me of all. But God is still in control, folks. And we worry sometimes uh, uh, just fretting over things that we don't need to fret over. God is going to take care of it. He has dominion over those things. You ever think about the donkey that Jesus rode uh, when he came in uh, uh, to Jerusalem? You know, that, the Bible says that that donkey, had <clears throat> that never a man sat upon that donkey. Do you not think that donkey was wild? I wonder how come it wasn't wild when Jesus got on it. Because the Lord had dominion over that animal. God has dominion over the things that he's created. And Peter thought that things were out of hand. He'd let his doubt lead to discouragement. You know, when you start doubting God, you're going to get discouraged. I've seen that with some people that I've been bringing to church. They let doubt. They, they doubt that uh, God can do it, and it discourages them in that. And he didn't understand. Peter didn't understand why things were happening as they were that day. And, and, but he learned that God was in control. He also learned the compassion of Jesus. Peter learned that Jesus had never stopped loving him. God never stops loving you, folks. I don't care what uh, you, you say. Peter denied the Lord. He denied the Lord. In unspeakable agony on the way to the cross, Jesus took time to give a look of love to Peter, who was a backslidden disciple. He was backslidden. And uh, uh, God doesn't change us so he can love us. God loves us so he can change us. God wants to change you. You've got to want to change. You've got to be. God loves you. He wants you to change. I want to change. I want to make changes in my life that are better. Do you not want to change tonight? 
Amen. I want to change. I want to be better. We got to desire to want to be better. And we see that Jesus has compassion. The Bible says that he's long suffering, not willing that any should perish. God doesn't want to see somebody die and go to hell. And he doesn't want those that have received him to not have a fruitful life. God wants you to be fruitful as a Christian. It's up to us to make some of those changes. No matter what we've done, God loves us. The Lord prayed for Peter, and he never forsook Peter. In 31 and 32, what did he say? He said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. He prayed for Peter. The Lord loves us, and Jesus is in control, and he has compassion. And he also learned the commitment of Jesus. Peter remembered the word of the Lord. <clears throat> the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, if we believe not, he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. God makes a commitment to you. He's going to keep his commitment. You can make that commitment to pray. It's up to you to keep the commitment to pray. You make a commitment to read your Bible. It's up to you to keep that commitment. God said he would be faithful no matter what. He can't deny himself. He's truth. Uh, <clears throat> thy word is truth. And uh, uh, we, we know that if we're truly saved, he'll never let us go. I, I'm thankful tonight for the eternal security that I have in Jesus Christ. I'm eternally secure. I don't have to worry about uh, the next sin that's going to come along. I don't uh, uh, want to willfully sin and do those things, but I know that I'm going to stumble and I'm going to fall. But Jesus loves me and I don't have to worry about my salvation in that. You know, the word desired in that passage there, it means that Satan had asked for permission to do uh, what he was going to do. And uh, uh, I, I've already said it, Satan can do nothing outside the will of God. And I think he's always on a leash. You go back and you read Job. God set boundaries around that and, and, and put him on a leash. And the, Satan wanted to sift Peter like wheat. The name Peter... Most of you know means rock. It's a rock. But Simon is, is, is that which is unstable and shifty. And uh, we see here in this passage in Luke that the Lord doesn't call him the rock because Peter, the rock, is turning to sand here. And you'll see what I'm saying here. Weed is sifted to get the impurities out. Satan wants to use those impurities against us. He wants to use them. What does he do with them? He accuses you and I. He accuses you and I before the Lord. And Jesus allows sifting so that he can cleanse us and he wants us to be pure. We want to be pure. We want to be holy. Be ye holy for I am holy is what the Bible says. And Satan will point out the sins in our lives to accuse us. But the result of this accusation when we're accused is despondency and fear. We, we, we uh, begin to harbor fear. The re result of conviction is repentance, cleansing, and victory over that sin. And, and getting the victory in our lives. Don't let the devil condemn you when Jesus Christ wants to cleanse you from that. And, and, and he wants you uh, uh, to convict you to make you better. Uh, being convicted of sin is not bad, folks. It's, it's not bad. 
Man, it's good to get right with the Lord Jesus Christ. When you get up from there, when you've prayed and you know that God has lifted a burden off you, man, there's no better feeling. Get some things right. He put 1 John 1, 9 in the Bible for a reason. If you'll ask, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Man, we need that cleansing every day. The Lord Jesus prayed for Peter. He wasn't finished with Peter. And you know, there's a Savior in glory today praying for us. He wants those of us who are saved to have a start fresh. I want to have a fresh start this year. I want to be better than I was last year. I don't want to be the same person that I was last year. I'm not saying that I didn't do some good things last year, but I sure, <clears throat> I think sometimes the, uh, <clears throat> my sin is more sin of omission uh, and, and omitting to do some things that I should have done. I want to be better this year than I was last year. The, and, and, and if you're not, if you don't have that desire in your heart, I think you need to get some things checked out with the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 7.25 says, where he is able to save them to the uttermost, that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Thank God that he's making intercession. We failed maybe at some things this year. I think we've accomplished a lot of good things this year. Uh, <clears throat> but God is a God of fresh beginnings. And, <clears throat> and, and, and I tr I've tried to convey that to some of the folks that I've dealt with over the last few months. God wants you to give you a new start. He wants you to have a new start, but you've got to do your part in those things. When the rooster crowed, a new day was on the horizon for Peter. He didn't know it at that time, but when that rooster crowed, there was something new for Peter that was on the other side of that. And there may be something new for you this year. I don't know. No matter all the heartaches and the tears that, uh, you know, that we faced this past year and some of the things that we've dealt with, Jesus is still in control. Thank God that he is. No matter how I've, I've failed, Jesus has had compassion on me. No matter my disobedience, his commitment is still towards me. He wants me to uh, succeed, and he will see me through until he either returns or takes me home. The decision is up to us whether we want a new beginning tonight or not, or to go on being sifted. You can go on being sifted. I don't want to be sifted. And the, the, the devil, just as he did Simon Peter there, he desires to sift you. He wants to sift you. And it's up to you and I to make some decisions in our life to do the right thing tonight. I pray that you would. I think this church, I'll say this before I step away, I thank this church for the opportunities that I've had to speak. I haven't always been right with the Lord when I've come behind this pulpit. That's to my shame. And I'll be the one to be chastised for that. But God knows the desires and the intents of the heart of those that love him. And I pray to God tonight that you wouldn't 
serve the Lord half-heartedly with slackness and being slothful. Whatever you do, he says, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, and thy mind. And that means when you do serve the Lord Jesus Christ, whatever you put your hand to do it, do it mightily unto God and not unto men to get be pleased of men. God wants the best of you. He doesn't want half of you. He wants the best that you've got. He give you the best that he's got. And it's up to us to serve him the best that we can as we stand to our feet.